I'd like to take a moment to let you all know about a new nonprofit organization started by my brother Craig. It's called Treats and Truth. They fill oversized brown lunch bags with snack items, chips, crackers, popcorn, cookies, etc. Also, a bottle of water, toothbrush, toothpaste, sanitary wipes, and most importantly, a small gospel tract book of John. No cigar? I'll have to talk to him about that. The bags are then hand-delivered to the homeless and people in need in and around the Los Angeles area. Let's help get this ministry off the ground. They're a 501c3 tax-exempt organization, so any and all donations are tax-deductible and greatly appreciated. Visit their website at treatsandtruth.org. Check out the show notes for the link. Also, please follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. Welcome to episode 85 of the Burning Bush Podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Hope you're doing well, and I'm glad you've joined me today. This week, we continue reading through Dr. Justin Bass's book, The Bedrock of Christianity, The Unalterable Facts of Jesus' Death and Resurrection, and I'm smoking the Monte Cristo Nicaragua series by A.J. Fernandez in the uh, 6x54 Toro size. So let's go ahead and go on over to the Monte Cristo website and see what they have to say. Number 10 rated cigar of 2018 by Cigar Aficionado. The Monte Cristo Nicaragua series is a full-bodied Nicaraguan puro that is a must-have for Monte Cristo cigar lovers. A unique collaboration with A.J. Fernandez and produced in his factory in Esteli, the Monte Cristo Nicaragua series has joined the core lineup for the Monte Cristo portfolio of brands. And the country of origin, wrapper, binder, and filler are all Nicaraguan. And the Vitolas are Robusto, 5x54, Toro, 6x54, the number 2, 6 and an eighth by 52 and the Churchill, 7x56. That is the Monte Cristo Nicaragua series by A.J. Fernandez. So let's go ahead and get back into this week's reading of Dr. Justin Bass's book, The Bedrock of Christianity. And we're starting chapter 7 this week. Chapter 7 is entitled The Rise of the Nazarenes. And this week's section is Fighting Against God. So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. 
Acts 5:38 to 39. The tyrant dies and his rule is over. The martyr dies and his rule begins. Soren Kierkegaard, The Journals of Kierkegaard. Let us get back in our phone booth one last time and time travel to Jerusalem in AD 135. We are arriving directly after the massacre of the last Jewish messianic movement, the Bar Kokhba revolt, AD 132 to 135. Only three years before, Simon Bar Kokhba had been hailed by the famous Rabbi Akiba as the Messiah, the Son of the Star what Bar Kokhba means in Hebrew. Based on Balaam's prophecy in Numbers 24.17, a star shall come forth from Jacob. Simon must have taken this messianic claim very seriously. He tried to revive Hebrew as the official language of his newfound kingdom. He began issuing coins, which archaeologists have found, inscribed in Hebrew with his name, Shimon, on one side, and on the other, year one of the redemption of Israel. Later coins had year two of the freedom of Israel. Simon attempted to restart the calendar to the beginning of his messianic reign in Jerusalem. Incredibly, in 1961, Archaeologists discovered in a cave near the Dead Sea letters written by Simon Bar Kokhba himself in what has become known as the Cave of Letters in the same area the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. At least 15 letters have been unearthed written by Simon to his subordinates. These letters even reveal his birth name, Simon ben Kosiba. We also know the Christians living under Bar Bar Kokhba's control were heavily persecuted. Some were even tortured, trying to force them to curse Jesus' name. Early church father Justin Martyr was writing just a few decades after the revolt and details the atrocities done to the Christians under this false messiah in his First Apology 31.6 and Dialogue with Trypho 11.3 and 133.6. As you can imagine, none of this was looked on positively by the Romans, especially the Emperor Hadrian, AD 117-138. By AD 134, Hadrian had sent his general Julius and his six legions to crush this messianic pretender, which he did. Imagine Julius as Maximus from Gladiator, killing 580,000 followers of Bar Kokhba, and afterwards saying to the cheering crowds, Are you not entertained? Hadrian did all he could after this revolt to remove the Jews and even Jewish history from the land of Judea. He renamed Judea Syria-Palestina and Jerusalem Aelia Capitolina. He even set up a temple to Zeus in the middle of Jerusalem. From then on, Few Jews lived in Jerusalem for many years, and no more messianic movements arose. 
the Jews went back to their scriptures, and rabbinic Judaism began to arise with little emphasis on a coming Messiah. What happened to Bar Kokhba and Rabbi Akiva after the war is legend, not history. Some accounts say Bar Kokhba disappeared. Others say Julius brought his severed head to Hadrian. Whether they disappeared or were tortured and killed by the Romans, one thing is crystal clear. They failed. Simon Bar Kokhba was not the Messiah. In fact, later rabbis even called him a deceiver and a false messiah. As with Simon Bar-Giora, or any of the dozen or so other Jewish movements we discussed above, none of their disciples claimed their messianic leader had risen from the dead and appeared to them. In the case of the many disciples of Simon Bar-Kopa, they even had this as an option, since the Christian claims about Jesus would have been well known by this time, yet not one of them did. Since we have time traveled to this time, imagine asking one of Simon's disciples, why not say he rose from the dead like the Christians did of their leader? This bloody, beaten disciple would likely respond, Simon is no Messiah. He failed. The Romans won. He deceived us all. I'd kill him myself if I could find him. As we saw in chapter 5, a dead or failed Messiah was no Messiah at all. The story of Simon Bar Kokhba is not just fascinating history. We have a reason for beginning this chapter time-traveling to the last failed Jewish messianic movement. This messianic pretender hailed by tens of thousands of Jews who tried to restart the human calendar, does not have one follower today. In fact, the evidence suggests he did not even have one follower in A.D. 136. Where are the followers today of Judas the Galilean, Theudas, Simon Bar Kokhba, or even Apollonius of Tiana? Why is there not a religion today called Barcokbianity or Barcokbianism? In contrast, there is a religion called Christianity today, the largest religion in the world, and this crucified Messiah Jesus just happens to have around 2.4 billion followers, about a third of the world's population. This is the bedrock fact we are focusing on in this chapter. And that's the end of this week's reading of Dr. Justin Bass's book, The Bedrock of Christianity. And I hope my voice wasn't too much of a distraction this week. I have a real frog in my throat. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, hope it wasn't too bad. So be sure to check the show notes for links to uh, Dr. Bass's website, as well as this week's cigar. Also in the show notes are links to Treats and Truth Ministry, where you can get involved in helping to spread the gospel to and be a blessing to the homeless, Groundworks Ministries for daily Bible studies and devotionals, and the Burning Bush Merchandise Store, where you can pick up some items to help spread the word about the show. And I'd appreciate it if you would tell your friends. 
So until next week, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless.